0: You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Portia, Arkansas.
1: If you will, turn with me to the book of the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. We're going to start in chapter 2, verse 6, and read down through verse 11. And the Gospel would read we cutting right at the start of Jesus' first miracle. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of Jew of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bare it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but you have kept the good wine until now. The beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. This is the start of Jesus' ministry. It was his first miracle. And if it was the miracle that started Jesus' ministry, we've got to ask the question, what is its importance? Because when you start something, you don't start off small. You want to start off with something that people's going to remember because he was Jesus. He could very easily raise the dead for the first miracle, but he chose to turn water into wine. So, tonight I want to talk about this and I want to bring out a few ideas and a few things that I have seen in this passage of Scripture. So, tonight I want to just ask, or I want to preach a message entitled, tradition and it's going to take me a minute to bring it all together but I want to keep in mind I want you to bear with me as I bring it together and hopefully the power of the Lord the power of the spirit will move mightily and it will open our hearts and our minds to an aspect and an idea that has been weighing heavily here lately on on my heart so if you will let's pray Lord, Father, God, we thank you, God, for the presence that we have already felt. We thank you, God, for this opportunity, God. God, I pray, God, that you will help me, God, to bring forth this. And I pray, God, for an anointing that you will help me, God, that you will open the ears and the hearts of your people, God, because we know, God, none of this is, is possible without you and your spirit, God. So I'm asking, God, that you will help us and that you will just continue to be here, God. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Ask. Amen. Amen. You know, it's easy for us as individuals to be caught up in traditions and it is easy for us to get to a place that whenever we begin to search out the Lord and we begin to really see what or try to find out what he's got for us in our lives. And, you know, someone as myself was not raised in church, so I didn't have a lot of tradition as far as the church went. But a tradition is truly is teaching or ritual which is handed down. You know, even as non-believers growing up, you're handed down a lot of things that you, are, you have to work through. Some good for the better and some bad. Some that is going to help you in life and some that's going to harm you later in life because there's things, whether you want to admit it or not, that's going to affect you and it's going to be tough whenever you have to deal with these things when you grow up. So you say, what in the world does that have to do with the miracle of turning the water into wine? Well, I want to address that because you see at the beginning of the passage we read at verse 6, it says, and there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Does anybody know what these water pots were set there for, for purifying the Jews. What were they used for? And these are the questions when I read across this I was asking because, I mean, what's the significance of these water pots? What's the significance of this miracle? Because, I mean, when we look at the surface, yes, we turned water into wine. But why did he choose these water pots? Why are it the pots that was for the purifying of the Jews? I'm going to take you over now. I'm going to read a little bit more and then elaborate. But if you will, let's go to Mark chapter 7. And I want to read six verses here. Because it's going to tell us what these pots were used for. Because do you know that the Bible is our best commentary? I mean, we can read commentary all day long, but commentary at the end of the day is an explanation by man. But when we find commentary that explains something within the Word of God, well, that was inspired by the Holy Spirit, which is nowhere. So let's read in Mark chapter 7. So Mark chapter 7, verse 1 says, Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say with unwashed hands, they found fault. You see, they was finding fault within them. It was not hard for them to try to find fault in Jesus and his disciples because when you want to find something bad enough, you're going to find it. You're going to find fault in the person that you're looking at, that you want to find fault in because we're not perfect as Jesus was. But... For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands, often eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they, when they came from the market, except they wash and, eat, and they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots and brazen vessels and of tables. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why walk not your disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands. He answered and said unto them, Well, has Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites? As it is written, The people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You see, they tried to find fault in Jesus and his disciples because they would not washed their hands in these purifying water pots. You know at these religious activities, marriages, or even within, around the temple, you would find anywhere that the Jews would meet, there would be pots for them to wash their hands and wash their feet, wash their clothes, and or or wash their pots, and all different other things, and when you look into it, actually the word there that is saying washed is actually baptized, it is submerged into water, because they thought that a pot full of water was something that was able to cleanse them from all the filth. Some believe that when they touch things in the marketplace or touch things that the Gentiles had touched that they would actually get little demons on their hands. And others believe that them being clean and Jews that was so much better than the world when they rubbed shoulders with the Gentiles in the markets or touched anything, they were just all of a sudden they were unclean. So being somewhere that they was able to wash in these purifying pots made them clean once more. But so you see in this first miracle where I'm going with this, because he used them same pots people was washing their hands in. They filled them to the brim, which at at the wedding, they would not have been filled to the brim. They would have been filled about a quarter of the way up, because a firkin is about a quarter of the jar. So the jars typically, depending on who you read after, when they were filled to the brim, they would have been anywhere from about 90 to 120 gallons of wine that God or Jesus made. So he filled these pots all the way up, but what did that do? For one, it did away with the the tradition of the elders, because anybody that came in, where was they going to wash their hands at then? They was drinking out of the same pots that they were having to use to, that they thought was going to cleanse them of their filth. But whenever Jesus filled these up with wine, and what's a wine a type of in the Word of God? What's a wine always a type of? For even at the Last Supper, Jesus said here, Drink of my blood. For this is to signify me. It is the blood that was shed... For your transgressions. So if the wine is the type of blood that was in these pots that they were using as the traditions of the elders was insinuating, what was he saying with this first miracle? Was he not saying the only thing that's really going to wash the filth off of your hands is the blood of myself? The blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that is able to wash away the filth of the human man. But the tradition of men, the tradition of the church had got the Pharisees and Sadducees to a place they could not see past their religious activities. But you see, Jesus, when he came, he went to disrupt that process of tradition of man. And you know when we begin to look at tradition of man, we begin to look at the church as a whole or we can even look in the individual heart and lives of ourselves. Because as you look at the church, you're going to see things that throughout the church and church history that is actually not even in the Word of God. You'd be hard pressed to find a few things and then you're going to find different denominations that believes on things differently. You know, we see that David played the harp. He had thousands and thousands of musicians come in and blow the trumpet and blow the horns and they would worship and he would dance to a point that Michael would actually say, You're crazy. Why are you looking like you're a crazy fool, a crazy lunatic out in front of your people? But then we've got churches that will say, it's our tradition that you don't play any music. You see, tradition, there are things that are handed down. But when are we going to be as of a people that is in the word of God enough to tell apart tradition from the word of God? When are we going to step back and be able to see what the cross of Calvary provided for us on an individual basis. When are we going to leave what we was raised up with and begin to live and believe what Jesus provided? When are we going to get to a place that we are able to say tradition is just this is what it is. It's tradition, something I might have been raised up in, but it's never changed me. It's never did anything for me besides put me under a bondage that I can't live up to. But now the blood of Christ, the thing that is able to wash me free and to change me is by my faith in him and what he has done. Now that is what's working for me because that's what's actually, I've seen something move. I've seen something happen. I've actually seen my heart change and I've seen my actions towards other people change. I've seen my language and these other things that Christians talk about begin to change where I didn't see that whenever I was living underneath the tradition of man. The Pharisees and Sadducees had all these traditions. They had the law memorized. And they, the 613 laws, they even had fence laws, which was another 613 some odd laws that actually was designed to keep them from failing the main law. They was never content with just keeping the law. They had to do better than what the law said. They had to get to a place in their minds, and that's what exactly as the scripture just said. They were serving God in mind only. Now I want you to think. And this one hurts just a little bit. But How often do we walk in these things that was handed down to us because we are truly serving God in mind only? And not out of the heart. How many times are we just following a tradition and not doing something because of we have a heart for God? You know what? I'm gonna brag on some of our singers and musicians. Do you know what they have in common? They could easily be jealous of each other and sometimes they probably are. And sometimes they probably sit there and think, well, I can't do it as good as so and so. But you know what they have in common? Do you know why the Spirit of the Lord begins to move when they begin to sing about Jesus? It's because they're singing from the heart. They're not singing because someone's making them. It's a choice that they have made and that they are singing within a heart. Do you know why Faith Worship Center is growing right now? It's because we got a group of people that is serving from the heart, but we have to be careful not to be sucked into a tradition that is separating us from the Word of God. And when we begin to look at the traditions of the church you can see it all the way if you look at your pentecostal background you can at the zuzu street revival there wasn't but one pentecostal denomination and that was the people that gathered there at Azusa street that's right mm-hmm. but from there we had disagreements and we begin to split and split some more and split some more right. and throughout all these splits we begin to build traditions if you dress like this, you're going to be all right. right. If you act like this, you're going to be all right. If you would just be baptized, boy, I blew all of them out of the water because I got baptized and then I got saved and then I got baptized with the Holy Spirit and then I got baptized again. Man. What would they do with that? But you see, tradition of some people will say, well, you're not saved unless you're baptized in in this name. You're not baptized. You've got to be baptized before you're saved. Well, you're not saved until you're baptized in... Then you speak in tongues. Well, I got speaking in tongues before I was baptized, after I was saved. Nothing happened when I was baptized the first time. But it was a tradition of the church that would get you say, if you will repent and be baptized, you're going to go to heaven. It don't matter if the heart is changed. It don't matter if you're changed. But the tradition is... You do this and you're all right with the Lord, and it gave gave me a false sense of security that I went another 20 years of my life thinking I was saved, living like the devil, not caring about how I talked or where I went or how much I drank. The places and the thoughts I had was so ungodly it ma- it would it makes me blush and I don't even like to think about it. But when I finally met the Lord because of what He did in His Word, the things begin to change and things begin to fall off. It wasn't because of a tradition. It was because of my faith in Christ and what He's done. It's because that it was the prescribed order of victory that God has presented in His Word, and I didn't even know His Word. But I exhibited faith. And because of this faith, it opened up the power of the Spirit. And in Jesus' first miracle, he, he, He was saying, Hey, you can wash yourself all you want in these pots, but without the blood of Jesus, you're just going to be in the tradition of man. Without the blood of Jesus, nothing's going to change. You're still just going to be the hypocrite that's following God in mind only. That's all you're going to be is a hypocrite. That's right. How much of the church is following in mind only? Or how about this one? We're following... A certain, doing certain things because that's the way we was raised. We was raised in this church. We was raised in this denomination. And how long did it take some of us to realize, hey, this tradition that I was raised in, this teaching that was handed down to me, just ain't working no more. How long did it take us? How long did we figure out what truly worked within our lives? When did we find out what the strength, where our strength truly comes from, instead of being miserable day in and day out, because we are doing traditions that is getting us nowheres. You're reading your Bible, you are praying, you are fasting, you're wearing certain clothes, you did everything that the pastor told you to do. you prayed more, you fasted more, you did everything, but still, no victory. That's
0: right.
1: No victory. Because no amount of tradition is able to wash away your sins or to release the Holy Spirit to be able to change you. Now, before you accuse me of saying you don't ever have to pray or fast or anything like that, yes, you, you will. But you're going to begin to do it not because you have to. You're not trying to earn something because you've done owe a debt that you cannot pay. Right. You cannot earn anything from God. You cannot earn the gifts of the Spirit because if they're truly gifts, what are you going to give for them? If it's a gift, it is freely given. Right. So and when we do things for to say you owe me something, that's out of context of the Word of God. But whenever we do it out of a heart that desires God, we're going to find ourselves in the Word more. We're going to study the Word like we've never studied before. We're going to pray like we've never prayed before. We're going to fast. We're going to do all the things the Bible says that we're going to do, but we're going to do it out of a heart that loves God and not because of tradition. Do you know how hard it was for someone that has never prayed to learn how to pray? Do you know how hard it was for someone that had never been in a church long enough to even know what to ask? Besides something like, Father, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for today and thank you, keep me safe tonight. Amen. Because all you know is that you love God He has changed you in ways that you could never have dreamed of. And now, you're learning. Because you had not read the Lord's Prayer or studied out the Lord's Prayer yet. You don't know how the... You know, the Lord's Prayer is not something to just be recited over and over and over and over again. It's actually an outline that teaches us how to pray. When you break it up into different segments, you're going to see how you are to enter into your prayer, what you should be praying for, and what you should be asking for, and what how it all comes together, and who to, whose name to pray in. It shows you all that, and then plus so much more, but tradition, most of the time, is not going to teach you this. That's right. Now I'm going to take it a step further. You see... Jesus didn't just come to help the church he didn't just come and I say that he did just he did but he came to help the world anybody whosoever will That's whoever so whoever so will exhibit faith upon Jesus he's going to help and you know sometimes that comes with a lot of baggage and when we take this tradition thing and what we're learning about how he is able to wash away the filth that he's actually able to purify. If we take it a step further and take it into our personal life, because that's where it's going to start. Because if the church is built up of members... The members of the church is going to have to do a little cleaning before the church is cleansed because if it is a group effort, we're all going to have to follow the same prescribed order of victory to be able to be changed. And you know, Pastor did a great job exhibiting or t- teaching that this morning, and he began to show us how the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God, was able to take these things out of the heart and do away with them and deal with them. And you know, that's hard sometimes whenever you are growing up or if you've been in religion or been in church but you come on to the message of Christ and what he has accomplished to you for you you're going to have to start dealing with things that has happened in the past them things that hurt them things that you don't want to deal with them things that because of what you was taught or the things that bothered you the most as a child because we remember what tradition is. Tradition is the teaching ritual. As coming up as a child, your parents was teaching you. They either teaching you right behavior or wrong behavior. They was teaching you how to live for God or they was teaching you how not to live for God. Do you know that the purifying of the Jew, the pots of the purifying of the Jews was, is that just like the purifying of the saint? Now that the blood is in it. Do you know that the saint has to deal with these things? And the it, pastor has been on forgiveness on Wednesdays, and let me tell you, it's been hard. If you've not watched them, you are to go back on Facebook and see it. But when we begin to deal with our past, when we begin to deal with our upbringings, when you learn how to love somebody a way you was never taught how to love. Now, how do you do that? It's hard. Well, how do you know? (laughs) I know. I didn't have from nine years old on, I didn't have a marriage covenant example of group or two individuals that was married in covenant by ordained by God to be able to watch. And when you get married, And you're dealing with all these walls that you have built up. It gets a little bit hard. You better hope that you married a saint that's able to put up with your junk. Because there's going to be a lot of it. But you have to learn how to deal with it. You have to learn actually how to love and to, not just to love, but to be loved in a manner that you've never felt before. And it's a process. There's ups and there's downs. What in the world does this have to do with tradition? The point is, whenever you are in Christ, you are a Christian, these things he's going to bring out and teach you the agape type of love, just like he's going to instill within you with the church. The tradition of man is going to tell you how to solve these problems in a man-made, natural-thinking way. Why do you think we got 12-step programs for drug addicts? Why do you think we got psychology? Why do you think we got these things that... You, you can read them all the time. 12 things to recover your marriage. It's because we don't deal with the things that we need to in the order we need to do it in. We'd rather follow the traditional man that says, Here, you've got to do this and horse our hands of it. That's right. But the traditions within the church... It's just that. The traditions are getting you to a place that it just hands you over to your own devices instead of handing you over to the love and to the mercy and grace of God. The traditions that the Jew or the Jews, the most of the Jews was following at that day, was here's a pot. Make yourself feel better because you dip your hands in it. And you wash off that filth. Go be baptized and you'll come up clean. Washed that vessel, that cup. They washed all these different things. I believe all these different cups and the vessels and the brazen cups. Types. Types. Of the different things that the blood of Christ is going to have to cleanse within your heart and in your life. If you allow the Lord to change them if you allow the process of God not just the tradition of man. The tradition of man says that you have to walk just like me, talk just like me. The Bible says that you have your own work of grace. You are going to talk different. You are going to look different you are going to be separate from the world but he's not dealing with you at the same pace he's dealing with me about boy i hope not I, people might have i went a lot faster than i did but that first year of being a christian was rough everything was changing didn't know why it was changing but i knew it was And then you throw a calling of God on top of that, not knowing what to do with it, and not knowing what you're asking for when you're saying, God, use me. That big target that gets put on the back. All the emotions and all the disappointments and failures that come along with it. And then you're sitting there and you're crushed and you don't know what to do. And you hear something that sounds right, and you go to someone that don't know that points you back to the tradition of the church. I don't know what that was all about. Maybe you need to go read your Bible. Well, all right, I'll go read it some more. That's how dangerous the church has gotten. We cannot, as a church, allow this to continue on. We cannot continue to proceed in the tradition of men but in the prescribed order of what Jesus paid for by his blood and his death upon Calvary's cross he got us to a place that we have help you have more help than you've ever had before you've been able to go into the throne room of grace in any time so why are we so impatiently trying to fix our marital problems, our relationship problems, our church problems with 12-step programs or books that was written by someone that didn't even really believe in God. Instead of asking the Lord to show us and to help us because when we read the Word of God, there is not anything you're going to encounter in this life that is, there's not an answer to in that book. I know pastors have stood up and said, well, the Bible's not enough for today. Yes, it is. It's enough for today and every day. There is nothing we're going to face that it does not address because the reason we, they can't figure out that it don't address certain things is because they don't understand the Bible. They don't understand faith and grace. They don't understand what Jesus did for us within that first miracle, being able to show us that His blood was able to take away the tradition of men, to be able to wash away the sin that we had, the filth that we was covered in, and be able to stand in front of God and hear the words not guilty, or well done my good and faithful servant, because that's what this is all about, it's not about what we are going to how, how up we're going to make ourselves look it is about running a race of Christian, being a Christian and bringing and helping people into the kingdom Brother Larson has said it over and over again if we would just quit worrying about who got the credit, if we would just quit about wondering or seeing who was the biggest and follow God with our heart because of what He did for us, how much more could we get accomplished? Amen. Beware of tradition. Beware of the things that you was brought up in. Question everything with the word of God. The discernment. Discernment. That you can either discern it with milk or meat. Discernment's going to grow as you grow in the word and you mature in Christ. But the only way we're going to mature is by allowing the Holy Spirit, as pastor taught this morning, to begin to change the heart. And we're going to have to go through a few things. We're going to go through some things that's going to hurt, that's going to press us, that's going to bring us to a place that we're able to stand up and say, you know, it's not very comfortable, but looking back at it, I'm glad I had to go through it because this is what it brought out in me. I'm a little more long-suffering. I'm a little bit better because I'm able to pray for my brother that afflicted me a little bit more. I'm actually able to forgive him because of what he did for me. Or not what he did for me, but what he did to me because I know about the sin nature. I know about where the the fall of the garden and how we are all able or capable of the same things. We're all in this together. But the tradition of the elders hindered the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Are you hindering the ones that's coming up behind you? Or are you teaching them faith and grace? If you would have asked that question to the Sadducees and Pharisees, they would have said, I am not hindering. I am showing them the way of God, teaching them to serve in mind only. church, We have to show each other grace. We have to remind each other that we are the workmanship of Christ. We are the ones that are growing in Him. We have to remind each other what God's prescribed order of victory truly is. Our faith in Jesus and what He did on the cross of Calvary to allow the Holy Spirit to move within our hearts and our lives. That's why Paul would say in Corinthians, I preach, I preach, for we preach Christ and Him crucified. We preach Christ. We preach Christ because it is Christ and his, His ministry and His person here on earth. And we preach Him crucified because of the work that He done and the work that was what His work provided. And then we look at the resurrection that shows us as a witness that what he did was actually true and it did come to fulfill that all the prophecies that was written about him, all the things that was said by the prophets of old about Jesus was fulfilled. It was a witness that, hey, he did die and he did come back. He was the Son of God because he could have done all that. But if he would not have risen from the dead then your help would not have been provided. And in the church of Galatia, Paul preached that so sternly. He says, Who hath bewitched you? That Christ was crucified before you. As if you were, and I'm paraphrasing a little, as if you was there. He made it so real with them; it was like they could see it happen in real life. But then they allowed things to come, Judaizers to come into the church and begin to change and put in tradition instead of the process of God. He says, "Who hath bewitched you?" We got to be careful that we don't allow tradition and the things that does not line up with the Word of God to infiltrate into. Pass them on to the next generation if the Lord tarries. We have to be careful to allow the Lord to continue to work within our own personal lives to be a witness towards our kids and our grandkids. It's tradition that says you've got to go after man's wisdom. Do you know what James says about man's wisdom? It's earthly, sensual, and devilish. That's what man's wisdom is. So why are we so keen to jump on it? Why are we so keen to listen to it without going and double-checking in the Word of God, finding it within the context? Brother Jeff, I'm about done. So I want to ask. We see in Jesus' first miracle he took the tradition of the elders, the pots that was filled to the br- or filled with water that they would wash themselves in, wash the cups and stuff that people that was not as good as them might have touched. They would wash anything that anybody other than themselves might have defiled. They couldn't eat without worship first. They couldn't do any religious activities without worship first. They could not go to a marriage or into the ceremony without worship first. And he took that, filled them with wine to the brim. It couldn't hold no more. There was no space left. You want to know why? Because there is no space for anything other than the blood of Christ within our lives. He took that tradition. He took and filled them up with wine. And what did the bridegroom or the governor say? You saved the best for last. You can experience all the church, years and years of the church traditions. You can experience the things that you've experienced your whole life. But until you experience the power of the Holy Spirit working, or let me just say like this, until you experience the grace of God flowing unhindered within your life, you're not going to be able to say, you saved the best for last. Because there's nothing like the message of Christ and Him crucified that allows the Holy Spirit to flow and to change and to touch you like you've never been touched before. It's nothing like the people that are singing and praising and worshiping from the heart and not in mind only. There's nothing like a church that's got a heart for God. There's nothing like living for God just because of what He's done for you and not what He can give you. So tonight, my altar call is going to be simple. If you will, stand with me. And I'm afraid I'm not going to leave anybody out. Because if we look back, we're all a little guilty of following the wisdom and the tradition of men. But my heart's prayer is to follow the processes of God to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and change the things in me that's going to make me shine and to make me into the person that Christ wants me to be. Because that's God's will for every one of us, to be able to become that person that is able to do the most work for the kingdom. And if we're not working for the kingdom and to grow the kingdom, what are we working for? So tonight, you might have no sometimes... It's just a good time to find a place to pray and to ask God to help you see His grace and to see His processes more clearly. To be able to pray and ask God to help you discern between the tradition of man and the tradition of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Help you to discern what is of God and what is not of God. To help you become a person that is after God's own heart, should I say. One that is searching after Him and seeking Him with everything that we do. So would you find you a place to pray with me tonight?
0: I am Thine, O oh Lord, and I've heard that and told thy love to me. But I long to rest in the arms of faith and me closer drawn to Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with the steps. There are depths of love that I yet may know, ere the face to face I see. Oh, there are heights of joy that I yet may reach, ere I rest in peace with thee. Will draw me never, 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 blessed Lord, to the call. If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link. On Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.